Hello, everyone, and welcome to MLS Assist, a podcast created to give insight into Major League Soccer's on-field action. I'm Joe Lowry, and on today's show, myself and Jordan Angeli are here with our very specific predictions for every team in the Eastern Conference. That's right, all 14 teams. The MLS season is less than two weeks away, so we're getting the Eastern Conference predictions today, and then we'll have the Western Conference very specific predictions out next week. We have a ton of fun on shows like this. We're excited for the season to start. Hopefully you're excited for this episode, because without further ado, it's time for the show. Jordan, we did this show last year. It's time to run it back and do it again for hopefully a more normal MLS season. You're up first with Atlanta United. What is your very specific prediction about that squad? Could you do anything Atlanta United and not include Joseph Martinez? (laughs) You can, but you should not. It wouldn't feel right. So I'm going to start off with Joseph Martinez is back. So I am saying Joseph Martinez will score 15 goals this year. I'm going to be honest with you, Jordan, that feels super achievable. Like that feels really, that feels really doable. If you're Joseph Martinez, right? That's not the case for 99% of players in MLS, but man, I think, (laughs) I I guess it is tricky coming off of an injury. I feel that feels achievable. And I feel like you're going to be one for one right off the top. I kind of am stuck between these two minds here because it's Joseph Martinez. And as you said, he scored 27 goals in 2019, his last full season in Major League Soccer. So this seems like um, chump change to him, 15 (laughs) goals. But when you look at Atlanta United, this is a much different team than he played on in that 2019 year. And it'll be interesting to see how they all come together. But also on top of that, I know probably better than anybody how difficult it is to come back from an ACL injury and hit the ground running. Now, if anybody could do it, it's probably Joseph Martinez because he has such a knack for knowing where to be in the right spot at the right time inside the 18. So, you know, I, I hope I'm one for one, but it's it's specific. It's 15 goals. It's not more than, it's not less than, it's 15. <laughs> so I could either be very right or there's a lot of chance for error. I like that. I like that a lot. And it's you're yeah. right. I mean, it's a different coach. It's a largely, I mean, there are still pieces of that squad that are the same, but it's a lot of different yes. players and it's going to be a different style of play than Atlanta had under Tata Martino. And he's coming off of that injury. Maybe this is a call to take a breath and remember that Joseph really is human, just like you and just like me. And, you know, dealing with an ACL right. tear and coming back from that's hard. But yeah, I'm still banking on the yeah. fact that he's going to score it's a lot a, this year. So are you. Yeah. And it's a goal about every other game, right? Yeah. It, it, roughly. So yeah. I think if, I think for him, that's very, very achievable. Agreed. My right. prediction for my first team, we're going back and forth in alphabetical order, at least according to Google. We have the Chicago Fire. My very specific prediction for the Fire is Alvaro Madron will be a top five central midfielder slash defensive midfielder in MLS in terms of goals added. I'm going to unpack that, Jordan, because Ooh, I think I think yes. ex- explaining that goals added stat is important, even though we've talked about it on the show before. So goals added is a metric by American Soccer Analysis that values each action on the field and gives it either a positive value, a negative value, or possibly a, a net zero value. I'm not sure if that's possible, but mostly positive or negative values. Madron last year was first among all central midfielders or central defensive midfielders in terms of goals added with 5.2. So he himself, according to this metric, added about five goals to the fire. They wouldn't have scored that many goals if he hadn't been on the field. Uh He was second overall in the passing category of goals added among those same position groups. 
So, man, I, I think he has the talent to do that again. He's right-footed, good with both feet, can play out of pressure, can play nice balls in behind. The game moves at his pace. And I think even over a more extended season where he's going to be missing Gaston Jimenez next to him, he will still be one of the top five MLS midfielders, central midfielders, or defensive midfielders in terms of goals added. Was Madron the one that played that just delightful ball? No. Or was that Jimenez? No, that was, I know the exact ball you're talking about. It was like, it was against the New England Revolution. You talked about it on this show. Yes. It was Jimenez who pinged so it, I believe, with his right oh. foot. But the Fire have two guys okay. who can do ridiculous things with the yeah. ball at the base of their midfield. I'm, I'm kind of bullish on the fire this season. I'm bullish on a lot of teams in the Eastern Conference, but that double pivot on its own is is so much fun in Chicago. But we felt that way last year at the beginning of the year as well, Joe. Yeah. We yeah, were really excited about the Chicago team. <laughs> so if they could maybe hold it together in the back, that would help out. That right? would help a lot. I, I was thinking about making my prediction about <laughs> catastrophic defensive errors, but I'm not really sure how to categorize those. So I went with kind of a yeah, tried and true yeah. statistic instead. That seems good to me on that. Do you have <laughs> anything to add yeah. or should I move on to um, Bring us forward. my next team who, I mean, defensively, I guess, catastrophic defensive things. We it's a common right thread. to FC Cincinnati, which um, is, is a bad, it's probably a bad segue, but I'm not even going to talk about the defense of FC Cincinnati because I'm kind of excited about who this team has become in the offseason. So yeah. I'm going to say... Luciano Acosta will have five times as many assists as the leading assister for FC Cincinnati had in, in 2020. Ooh, that's so, well, so the real question is, what was that assist number for the leading assister in 2020? <laughs> exactly. That really is the, the question. Um, it was two. Okay. <laughs> so it's 10 assists. I love it's the way you phrased assists, it. So it's not. <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to go with a little something that packed more of a punch. Yeah, and I good. felt like that uh, once you know that it was two, it was reggaeton and Vasquez each had two assists last season. So um, it's not as daunting of a, of a task for Acosta, but I think when you look back of his ability in Major League Soccer in 2018 with DC United, he had 17 assists. This guy, no question, is going to help FC Cincinnati in their creativity under pressure in the final third. He can pick apart defenses uh, with that final pass. And I really do think that that was one of the things that FC Cincinnati lacked is just decision making in the final third and creating not just creating, but figuring out which was the the right pass. And then when you when you talk about the acquisition of Renner, which we talked a couple was that last episode two episodes yeah two ago. episodes ago yeah um yeah about him at FC Cincinnati I I really do think those two are going to be BFFs and they're going to have such a good combination between the two of them. But um yeah five times as many assists for Lucho Acosta. I have like three. Qu- I have three quick thoughts. One, I love it. Two, okay. I'm really interested in how Yapstam is going to use Lucho Acosta positionally. Is it going to be a four-three-three with Acosta next to another number eight in front of a number six, and then he'll just push high up, kind of like what we think we're going to see uh-huh. from Austin this year, maybe under Josh Wolf, or, or certainly what we see from Bob Bradley and LAFC. Again, roughly not a perfect comparison. So, is Lucho going to be an eight, or is he going to be a ten in a four-two-three-one, or maybe in a some three at the back shape? I'm curious about that. Yeah. And then number three. I've been thinking about how Yapstam's biggest job this year, as I see it, well, maybe one of his two biggest jobs, is to get Lucho and Brenner on the same page. And you just kind of hit at that mm-hmm. perfectly. I think if if those two guys are connecting, Cincinnati's going to be threatening for the playoff spot. And maybe that requires yeah. some defensive solidity as well. I'm sure it does. I don't know how that factors in here. But if Lucho and Brenner are connecting, Cincinnati are going to be a pain to play against at the very least. 
Yeah. No, that's a really good point. And I, I'll be intrigued, I would say, to find out how what formation they're going to play because I yeah. do think there's certain ways that Acosta can fit in that and plug in. But I do, I don't know, I want him close to Brenner. I want him in a 10 spot where he can have a little bit more freedom in his movement to find the pockets and then connect from there. Yeah, I hear you. Okay, I'm staying in Ohio. Okay. We're going to the Columbus crew. Jordan, I took this prediction. I took it because I wanted you to evaluate what you thought of my prediction about the Columbus crew. Ooh, Here it is. Okay. My very specific prediction Kevin Molino, Pedro Santos, and Lucas Alrayan will have more combined touches in zone 14, that zone right in front of the box, than any other three players on one single team in MLS. What do you think, Jordan? Is that, yeah. is that a solid prediction? I like it. So when you say combined touches, you are saying that they are going to create combinations in that. So a one-two, some kind of play to maybe just a pass to set somebody else up in that zone. Is that what you're referring to? I just mean literally any time they touch the ball in that space, one of those three players, and then you oh. add those totals together. Although I combinations oh, yeah. combinations based on what we saw in Minnesota last year with Molino and Reynoso – would have probably been just as good, if not a better prediction, saying that those guys are going to get on the ball together. See, if it is combinations, I would add Zardes into that, just yeah, because true. I do think he will bounce the ball off for them at times as well. But I think that's a really good prediction and very specific. I I was all, when I was doing mine, I'm always curious about how Joe looks at things, and he already you brought in the goals added already, and now you bring in <laughs> zone fourteen. Uh, I think this is one of the things, and I'm in Crewville, so I, I really know this, but from the outsiders, people are excited about the combinations these three yeah. players can have. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we could already see it at times with Santos and Zalrayan last year, and then we talked all about Reynoso and Molino in Minnesota, and then you take half of that pairing away and add it into the crew front line. I mean, that is a strong squad. We've talked about it already over the offseason. I'm really curious before I move on and flip it to you for DC United. I'm curious when Luis Diaz goes off with Costa Rica for World Cup qualifiers or for some international break over the summer, is is Caleb Porter going to stick with his one pocket winger, one line breaking winger, you know, one more technical guy, one really fast, aggressive guy, winger setup? Or is he going to say, you know what, we're going to run out Molino, Santos, and Zelrayan and have kind of three almost pure attacking midfielders across that band of three in a 4-2-3-1 underneath Zardes or underneath whoever's mm-hmm. playing that number nine spot? I'm really curious how Porter's going to adjust his minutes for international competition. And I just think it's not just that, Joe, but I am curious how that's going to play out just within Major League Soccer, depending on the opponent. If you're playing a player who's really good at 1v1s in the channel defensively, I think you utilize the two pocket wingers to bring them centrally, bring those defenders centrally and pull them out of that space. So then maybe you have an overlapping uh, Milton Valenzuela or Harrison Awful who can get into that space maybe without as much pressure if you're occupying it with a, a channel winger. So it'll be interesting. And I like that. It's a good prediction. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Jordan, what do you have for DC United? All right. DC United. I... I was looking at them, and one of the things that we've talked about with Hernan Losada is he likes to play how, Joe? What kind of style is he wanting to play? He likes to play aggressive. He likes to play fast. He likes to play in transition. Yes. Expansive, right? Get forward as fast as you can. So I'm thinking, okay, how can I incorporate that into my very specific prediction? And I'm going with DC United will give up 13 more goals than they score. 
you're in specific prediction land right now. You are in on oh, some of I these am. specifics. I Tell am. me more. Okay, because I was looking at their goals for goals against last year, and I they had 24 goals for, 41 goals against. So they're kind of in that range already, a little bit over that. So yeah. I, I just thought, okay, they are going to score more goals than they did last season. But when you're playing that type of expansive game, yeah. you're going to give up an, a, a lot of goals too. Plus you add in, Birnbaum had a, a surgery. He's not going to be playing for a few months. And so that who fills in in the, in the back line. I think they did bring in, they brought in Heinz Eich into Shields, and so they solidified that a little bit. But then you look who DC United is going forward, and I do feel like with this expansive play and the addition of Nigel or Bertha from the Netherlands and, oh gosh, I'm going to say Bolivar from um, <laughs> Venezuela. I, I don't know how to say, I'm not quite sure if I'm saying that right. I'll, I'll learn that as we go on, DC United fans. Um, bring in some forward type players and Julian Gressel, who's really good on the transition. I think that they are going to score more transition goals and add to their goals for, so they're going to tighten that gap a little bit. Yeah, DC's built to be just a pain to play against. You're, you've got Paul Ariola coming yeah. back. Yeah, he's dealing with a bit of an injury from Swansea, but he's been recalled. Julian Gressel on that right side fits perfectly as a wingback. You've got Kevin Paredes, who I think is a great fit as a wingback on the other side. I feel like this is going to be a 3-4-1-2, mm-hmm. a 3-5-2, with Edson Flores being the main attacker. And then this team just going quickly. To support your prediction, Jordan, I just pulled the stat. I had to go back and find it. When Losada took the DC United job, Beershot in Belgium, the team he was coaching, they were third in mm-hmm. Belgium's first division in terms of goals scored and second in terms of goals allowed. So they were they were making things yeah. happen at both ends in some good ways and some bad ways. I can see DC mm-hmm. United scoring more, but also also struggling to contain goals as they push forward this year. That's funny. I should have predicted that specifically, that they do third <laughs> okay. goals for and second goals against. I think third goals for would be a stretch in this yeah. league, but yeah. um, <laughs> I do remember you saying that, and that kind of keyed me into what I was going to say about them. So boom, that's my DC United point. Okay, let's go down the East Coast into Miami. My Inter-Miami, very specific prediction. Gregore will have at least three tackles that go viral on MLS's Twitter account this year. So we talked about (laughs) Gregore two weeks ago as well. In that same episode that we previewed Brenner and dug into his game, we did the same with Gregore. He's aggressive. He's physical. He can play passes. Yes, he can connect play in midfield. But I think we both see him as cover for plays Matuidi and allowing Matuidi to push forward a little bit. Gregore can anchor that midfield kind of... And this is not the best parallel, but kind of a Judson type for what San Jose tried to do, yeah. allowing Jackson Yule to have a little bit more freedom in Matias Almeida's 4-2-3-1 or whatever shape they're playing on a given game. Gregory will allow Matuidi to have some more freedom. So I think he's going to cover a lot of ground. I think he's going to make some moves and he's going to body some people off the ball and have at least three tackles that go viral on MLS's Twitter account this year. That is so funny. Uh, just remember this very specific prediction because I feel like it is foreshadowing <laughs> what's to come in this episode, Joe. I'm ready to see the rest of the foreshadowing come to the surface. That, that's not really how foreshadowing works, <laughs> but we're going to pretend it is. Right, right, right. Um, okay, so should I continue or do we want to hammer out Miami a little bit more? I think that's good. I think you. I think it's you good. We know it on that one. We know so little about how Inter Miami is going to play yeah. under Phil Neville. How that whole. Beckham, Neville, Chris Henderson experiment is gonna, gonna work and how it's gonna mix. So, Grigori, I feel like is one thing that I am confident about. And outside of that, we don't need to worry about mm-hmm. it too much. Um, all right. Then I'm gonna go way up north, but I actually believe that they're playing in, 
Inter-Miami Stadium, so I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm going Club de Foot Montreal and still getting used to that, Joe. I don't know yeah. about you. No, I am. To, I am. I'm getting used to, to perf- it. Perfect that. My very specific prediction, and it's really specific. <laughs> they are going to play in one formation this season. That's it. Just one. What's do? Do we know what it's going to be, or is that up for Wilfred Nancy to decide? I, no, I mean I I have my my thoughts, and so that's what I'm going to continue on. But I I've, the reason I say that Joe is because last year this has been a crazy off season for them, right? Yeah, the the yeah. roller coaster of having the the rebrand and a really cool crest. I don't think we've talked about how cool their crest is with the snowflake. I love it. It's it's pretty awesome. Um, and then you have the announcement right before preseason. Really, just days before that, Thierry Henry is not going to be coaching the team anymore. And we both talked about this last year, is how we were excited at times to watch Montreal yeah. because we didn't know what they were going to do. We we were we liked the way that they were fluid in their formations, and we felt like a lot of that had to do with Thierry Henry trying to get the best out of his players and just add a little wrinkle to the game every every time. So... With that being said, and Henri being gone, I just think they're going to play one formation. It's going to be a four-two-three-one, and I think they have the players to do that. You can put Wanyama and Piet as those holding players, centrally hold it down. Wanyama maybe gives Piet a little bit of freedom to go forward and cover more ground because I don't think Wanyama has that in him very much anymore. And then you have Lapaline and Mihailovic as the wingers up front, and um, you know. Pick your poison as far as the the center forwards go. I was really excited to see Mason Toy underneath Henri, but now Toy's still there, and um, they, they're also a team that has a lot of syllables in their last name. So I was going <laughs> to try to do something with that, but it just didn't work out. So I'm going with formation. <laughs> I like it. The syllables would have been funny. I I don't know how you would have pulled that together, but this this idea of of Montreal being an unknown, just kind of like they were last year under Henri, they are an unknown this year, but they do have the personnel to play that. Mm-hmm. Pretty straightforward, 4-2-3-1. That could be a good way for Nancy to start off his head coaching tenure in Montreal. Yeah. I can see it, Jordan. I can see it happening. Okay. Thank you. I know it's hard It's hard to imagine, right? <laughs> just the just a 4-2-3-1, but... Game in, game go. out. <laughs> On to a team hey, that played... can I also say... Yeah, please. Can I also just say one more thing? If you're a Montreal fan and you have a better specific prediction, hit us up because I think you guys might might see something differently and you know i was trying with this team but there's so many unknowns with all the changes so i, at MLS I, I did what pod. i could at mls assist pod yep. on twitter come give us your specific predictions for montreal or for any team we'd love to hear what you guys yeah. have to say about some of these eastern True. conference squads or better yet do our homework and give us some very specific predictions for next <laughs> week's show the western conference teams either oh, way we won't be we won't okay. be picky yeah on on to nashville <laughs> sc my prediction is simple. Nashville will give up the fewest goals and fewest expected goals in Major League Soccer in 2021. Oh, they have an identity. They know okay. how they want to play under Gary Smith. They have, I mean, I respect this so much, especially in hindsight, looking at how Miami came into the league and how Nashville came into the league. Jordan, only one of those two teams had an identity. Only one of those two teams knew how they wanted yeah. to play. And it was Nashville. It was how Gary Smith built that mm-hmm. team. He made them into a defensive team filled with players who were willing to defend and willing to cover ground. Last year, they they gave up 22 goals, which was tied for third best in the league, third per 90 as well, because different teams played different amounts of minutes and games and all that stuff. They also gave up 25.4 XG, which was fourth in the league and third per 90. So they were already in the top three in most of those metrics 
last season. I think year two under Gary Smith, mm-hmm. they have more time to work on how they want to defend in a mid block, how they want to defend deeper down, and how they want to step forward and press. They're going to be really tough to play through, and I think they're going to give up the fewest goals and fewest expected goals in MLS. I think that is a very solid prediction, and they ha- they gave you that blueprint, right, with yeah. how they played last year, with who Gary Smith is as a as a head coach. We saw it in Colorado. We've seen it in MLS before just last season. So I do think that that is, you know, y- you said my my first one might have been a home run. I think this one might be two. Yeah, yeah. I had to get one in there, right? I had to get, They almost make it too yeah. easy. Nashville right. made it too easy for me, right. Jordan. Did the New England <laughs> Revolution make things too easy for you? Because that is our next team. Yeah, kind of. Well, maybe <laughs> they just I, – I had fun with this one because it was kind of – Similar to me with Atlanta United is like I was going to talk about Joseph Martinez with New England Revolution. I felt like I had to talk about Matt Turner. Yeah, I just had to do it because he is such a fun goalkeeper. So I said Matt Turner, Matt Turner will save three PKs in the 2021 season. Jordan, you're knocking it out of the park. Matt Turner and his shot stopping ability. You've just made all of soccer analytics Twitter, all the all the analytics folks that we know and love on Twitter who love Matt Turner for good reason. You've just made all of them very, very happy. Yeah, well, I just, you know, I do what I can. I do what I can. <laughs> um, you know, when I was looking back, it was hard for me to find. And, and Revs fans that are listening, you'll have to correct me, but I, I was... It was hard for me to find any PKs that he faced besides that one against Nani in in the playoffs. Hmm. And so I took that one and I took the PK that save that he had against Trinidad Trinidad and Tobago in his US debut. Yeah. And I just looked at New England Revolution and how they defend and they do have players that aren't they're good attackers at outside back, but I wouldn't say solid defenders. Uh, Buchanan playing there, and then, oh my gosh, why can't I think Dwan of the Jones. other side? Yeah, Dewan Jones. Dewan Jones. I am sorry, Dewan Jones. I could see your face, but I couldn't think of your name. So I, both of them, if you take them one-on-one, I think that they could potentially give you a PK. And so I was like, I, I'm just going to say Matt Turner. With his a great shot stopping, he has quick, agile movements like a cat. He's just there and ready to go. Um, so I'm saying three. Three PK saves. So I'm going to need the refs to help me out, too. Yeah. Can you guys call <laughs> at least a handful of PKs on the refs so that, so that Matt Turner can face some penalty kicks? <laughs> right? <laughs> we don't talk about goalkeepers a lot, and I appreciate you hitting no. our monthly quota. So now we don't have to worry about it till May. So thanks mm. for that. Right. On Perfect. to NYCFC, <laughs> my prediction. James Sands will be sold for at least $4 million by September 1st, 2021. So that's just a few months away from now. Let's go. NYCFC have so many central midfielders already, Jordan. They have Nicolas Acevedo. Mm -hmm. They have Keaton Parks. They have Tavon Gray, who's a youngster, 18, can play in midfield or he can play back along the back line. Justin Hack, Gideon Zalalem, maybe a bit more of a stretch on those two guys, especially Zalalem. But James Sands is in that group too. And reports are... That Alfredo Morales, uh, U.S. national team player, he's 30 years old, is going to join NYCFC from Fortuna Dusseldorf in Germany, in the two Bundesliga right now, but they played in the Bundesliga last year. He's been over there for mm-hmm. quite some time. If Alfredo Morales comes in, that just frees up 
NYCFC to say, okay, James Sands, we've given you half a season. You've been more productive. You've been a little bit more aggressive with your passing. You're still covering ground like we know you can. It's time for you to move on. I think Sands wants it. I think NYCFC could make a good chunk of change off of him. And that's why I think he's going to be gone. And NYCFC are going to be about $4 million richer or however much money you get after MLS takes their cut by September 1st, 2021. Okay, I like the spe- the specificity of the number that he needs to get sold by as well. But I I like this because this is this is what Major League Soccer should be to these young players. They should have the opportunity to perform and then get sold. I know we've talked about a number of players who we think should go play abroad. I think Cole Bassett is one of those that if he doesn't get sold this year, then I think the Colorado Rapids aren't doing a good enough job, right? And I think James Sands could fall in that category as well, where you have to give them that opportunity to go to the next level, to try something different, because... If you don't let them try, then you're never going to prove that that's where you could take this club. And yes, New York City may be a little bit different because they have sold players. But I like that shout. I really do. And I think it adds a little edge to the way maybe Sands plays. And we get to see him play up until then. Yeah, and he does need to improve at certain things. I kind of mentioned it in passing. I really want to see his forward passing improve. He's oftentimes hesitant with the ball. After he wins it back, he'll go laterally when he could go forward. I, I want to see that change in year two under Ronnie Dyla as NYCFC approach this upcoming season. So just keep an eye out for that and keep an eye out for a transfer on or before September 1st. All right. Well, let's stay in New York. Well, oh, kind of. Ouch. Let's go to New Jersey. Got him. <laughs> uh, New York Red Bulls. My very specific prediction for the Red Bulls is they will lose every game when Aaron Long is away on international duty. Oh, Good. Oh, that's so good because he's going to be gone for at least chunks of this season. This is it's a congested year. Uh, they brought in Tom Edwards, who played for Stoke City, but he's an outside back. So they brought in a defender. They also brought in Andrew Gutman from FC Cincinnati, but they only won four games last year. Also an outside back. And they brought in Andre Reyes from Inter Miami. Of Reyes's 13 starts last year, Joe... Guess how many of those games they won? Oh, not many in Miami. Three? Oh, you're close. Four. Oh. No, no, he lost. Sorry, he started He started 13, and they lost seven of those. So okay. that's more. That's about half. But still, it's not a good, right? And he had two, um, two games where he got double yellow cards and a red card and was sent out. So not... Not a great replacement there, if you're asking me. And maybe, but maybe the structure of the Red Bulls is going to help Reyes perform a little bit better. Sure. So I'm just saying, there's not, when Aaron Long, with his, his ability to lead this team, not only with his play on the ball, his organization, and his demeanor, when he leaves, I don't know who's going to replace that. So that is why I think they will lose every game when he is away on international duty. That's a phenomenal prediction it's harsh. because, yeah, you bring it's in – it's harsh, but it's it does expose a little bit how the Red Bulls don't have a lot of center back depth. They have Reyes that they brought in this year. Mm-hmm. They have Tarek. Right. They have Nilas who can sort of play there. But Tim Parker's gone. He's with the Houston Dynamo now. And they didn't bring in someone that you're confident can can kind of fill that Tim Parker role of being the competent sidekick to Aaron Long more or less. So, yeah, I mean – it's going to be tough for the Red Bulls to cope with that. I, I'm curious to see if Struber brings in another player or if the front office brings in another player right. and, and Struber can kind of work with the lack of numbers he has if that doesn't happen. So, no, I, I like that a lot, Jordan. 
What do we have? Two or three more left? We've three. got three more teams left. We're making a push here. This three next left. one is Orlando City. My prediction, Chris Mueller and Juan will combine for at least 15 goals this season on Orlando's right side. First yeah. of all, before you say anything, I think it's fitting that we picked 15. for You picked it for Martinez. I picked it for this squad. You know, it's fitting that two Orlando players should combine to Joseph Martinez's Stat, I mean, that's a bit harsh to Orlando. I don't, Orlando, I don't have any ill will. I really like watching you guys under Oscar Pereja. I just thought that would, I thought that was funny. Yeah, me too. But yeah, I think in Oscar Pereja's possession structure, Chris Mueller tucks inside, who on overlaps. That's not rocket science, but he does it often. And it's a part of how that team wants to align in its possession shape, in that three, four, two, one sort of shape. It allows you mm-hmm. to have those two wingers tucked inside and then the, the fullbacks overlapping on the right side or Nani staying wide on the left side. I think Chris Miller's going to have an even better year this year than he did last year. I think Juan's going to get involved in the goal scoring, even though he didn't have any goals last year. Chris Miller had 10. Between the two of them, I think they're going to make some real moves in this possession shape. Yeah, I love that. And I'm just, I'm a Chris Mueller fan. I am. Yeah. I just like, I like what he brings because it's not, it's not this like foreign winger conventionality that we've seen come into the league. Like he is an American player who has different, quirks about him but i think what it is i i I like his tenacity yeah i really like how aggressive and intense and he he kind of teeters on this like confident cocky edge yes but it it doesn't it doesn't like over for me it doesn't overwhelm me and i I mean, Juan is so fun to watch and so difficult to defend. It's a good prediction, Joe. I like that. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited about Orlando's right side. We talk about Nani on the left a lot. And we also, to give us credit, we talk about how Orlando will overload the right to switch it to the left. But I want to see that right side get Mm -hmm. involved in the goal-scoring action. I think we will in 2021. Okay, you're talking about goals. I'm going to go to uh, defensive movements, and I'm going to bring back in our um, remember our foreshadowing from above. Oh yes, uh, with Inter Miami. I'm going to the Philadelphia Union, and I am saying Jose Martinez will make four tackles this year that will make you go ooh, <laughs> just just painful, and teeter on the edge of. I, I think when we met him last year. I, one of my first conversations on this podcast with you, Joe, was, man, this guy's going to get a lot of red cards. Yep. And he got Wasn't it? He got <laughs> in some trouble with referees on the field. Let's just put it that way. He he got in some trouble. But he also missed a, a big chunk of the season with an injury. So with a healthy Martinez and more opportunities for him to get in some tackles, I just think that there's going to be four times that you are going to be very thankful you're not on the other end of a tackle from Martinez. I wonder if Jose Martinez and Gregore will get together for coffee or something. I don't know. Just get together, talk about tools of the yeah, trade. Probably. Talk about how they body opposing attackers off the ball. Talk about their favorite tackles in their in their careers. I think there could be something here. And I love not Jordan. Coffee, we didn't talk though, about that, this. Um, I was gonna say not coffee, but what what are they? Mate. Ah oh, yes, mate. That's brilliant. We'll have some mate. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I love, I love, we, we didn't talk about our predictions. Like we didn't compare them or help each other with them. We came into this recording session with two very similar ones. Jose Martinez is going to make some tackles that make you go. What was the sound again? What are they going to make you go? Yeah. Yeah. Martinez is going to do that. He's going to do that. People watch out. Yeah. The last prediction (laughs) for today's show. Me with Toronto FC. No team will have a bigger drop off in passes from last season to this season than Toronto FC in 2020. TFC under Greg Vanny passed the ball 
13,228 times. That was most in the league by about 700 passes, most by about two games worth of passes. In 2020, the Red Bulls, where Chris Armas was coaching, and now he'll be coaching in Toronto, passed the ball 10,822 times. Sorry, I almost forgot how to read numbers there, which was 16th in the league. (laughs) TFC was top in the league in passes. Red Bulls were 16th in the league. There was about a 3,000 or 2,500 difference between them in terms of passes. Toronto is still going to pass under Chris Armas. They're still going to use the ball, but just not as much as they did under under Greg Vanny, right? They can't. Vanny was all in on passing, passing, passing. Armas is going to want them to take advantage of more transition opportunities. How he's going to do that, I don't know. But I think that Toronto FC is going to have a bigger drop-off in passes, you know, bigger than any other team in MLS from 2020 Mm -hmm. to 2021. Yeah, great prediction. And when you read anything about TFC, I've been reading heading into these Champions League games about just how they want to play. And it seems that there is a lot of, there's some good things here, but we're trying to play faster. So I think you're right with that, Jill. A lot of play faster, play faster. And also gives me some ideas. If I get LA Galaxy, I'm going to flop that and do the same specific (laughs) prediction for LA Galaxy next week. That's the the Greg Vanny bump, the Greg Vanny passing bump and the Chris Armas passing anti-bump. I don't know. I I don't know how to put that. Jordan, we've gone through 14. We've gone through 14 teams out here in the Eastern Conference. We did it in kind of rapid fire, about as rapid fire as we can get. We made it through all of them in a decent amount of time. We'll be back again next week with the Western Conference. One fewer team, so that'll give us a little bit more time but thank you, Jordan, for making these awesome predictions. I love the ones you brought. And we'll be back again next week with a similar show just for teams on the western half of the country, more or less. Yeah, yeah, that was so much fun. And I can't wait to see what we figure out for next week. Listeners, thank you all very much for listening. I truly mean that. I know Jordan does as well. And we'll be back again next week with another show. Mm-hmm.